be sure to follow our website on Twitter, at Hockey underscore Hertz, Cameron Walsh, at Walshy66, and Ryan Wilson, at Gunner Stull. Also, if you'd like to support the Hockey Hurts podcast, you can do so by going to the podcast page and sign up for a monthly donation. It is much appreciated. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts podcast for September 4th of 2015. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And we will continue on in our series of analyzing the best and worst moves in each division. And we have arrived at the Metropolitan Division for this podcast. Um, So we're going to go try to explore all the moves that have been made, even though I would argue that this division didn't really see a ton of moves from like a volume standpoint, but there have been some real quality moves. And uh, I think you have to begin and end in Pittsburgh. Would you agree? Oh, in regards to name players and, and top-end quality, yeah, definitely. They've changed their roster significantly over the past three or four months. Um, count me as one of the people that thought that it couldn't be done this quickly or by the particular GM that was uh, put in charge of doing it, but it's definitely a, a vastly different roster to, to what they had at the end of the year. The question is, do you go, is the biggest move the addition or the subtraction? Addition. That's probably the politest thing you've said about Brandon Sutter in a while. Yeah, but Phil Kessel's pretty great. No, no, Phil Kessel is Phil Kessel. I, I get that. But, yeah, if you're a Penguins fan, you should be pretty happy with, with what's going on in that in that forward bunch of, of players. They've finally got a sniper to play with, you know, arguably two of the top five centers in the league, if not the two best. They've still got a Norris-caliber defenseman back there to get on the puck. That's their one area where they're probably a little bit short. Yeah, they're a little thin there, but when you talk about um, over the last few seasons for Pittsburgh, and we've beat this to death on, on this podcast with other Penguin topics, their forward depth has been really terrible. And outside of Crosby and Malkin going all-world, like they used to do back in like 07, 08, 09. There just hasn't been enough there to help them. Um, Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby have scored the most points in the postseason since Gretzky and Lemieux, but they haven't done that in recent years because their, their support help hasn't been able to get them through it at all. And um, they've come up short, but they've totally addressed that. Phil Kessel, obviously the, the sexy name, He's going to do great things, whether it's with Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin. I think it's funny that if he, let's say he, and I'm borrowing this from uh, Steve Dangle's podcast with James Myrtle that I listened to earlier today. Let's say Sid and Kessel don't have chemistry. He'll get, you know, fingers in the air, quote unquote, demoted to Evgeny Malkin's line. And it's like, okay. Well, that's going to be unfortunate. And that's that's the thing with, with the move with Kessel. It's the first time they've had a legit number one sh- sniper that they're going to try and... Well, where do you put James Neal in amongst that pantheon of snipers in the in the league these days? Is he... Do you put him up there with Kessel, or is he better than Kessel? Like, I don't know. Like, you, Neal kind of gets lost in that mix of everyone thinks back to Hosa. But James Neal was a legitimate top six sniper. 
It depends on how you're qualifying what a sniper is. As far as shots are concerned, yes, he's in any conversation with that shot. But I'm going to say a sniper, um, in my book, at least, there's more to it than just the shot. It's being able to, to create your own shot and get open for shit. Well, James Neal did a nice job of finding soft spots. He could but, get his shot off, but he couldn't create his own if there wasn't someone there to so, get it for him. Does this does the sniper have a shot? Yes. If so, can he create for himself? I say no to James Neal. Yes, but I say Kessel. yes to Let's Phil Kessel. I say yes to people like Alexander Ovechkin, Steven Stamkos. Yep. So, no, no, that's, so that's, Kessel's that's on a whole other level than James Neal. I mean, he's... I, I just don't understand like the the heat he takes for his uh, physique, but the, the guy flat out can skate. He's lightning quick, so it's going to be really fun to see just um, going yeah. going through the neutral zone with either Sid or Gino and being able to both work off of one another with that kind of speed. All right, so we can guarantee that Phil Kessel was the best move that Pittsburgh made over the summer of a litany of other moves that they did, but what was their worst? For me, I think you kind of highlighted it already. You, what, what did you say their shortcomings would be? Or oh, their back end. Yeah, okay. They, they need something extra on the back end. That's just the reality. So Christian Erhoff just signed with LA for $1.5 million. Yes. Brilliant job by L8. But $1.5 million was the number? Correct. Pittsburgh could have hypothetically signed Christian Erhoff to $1.5 million, bought out Rob Scuderi, and they would still be spending less than it, than what they are keeping Rob Scuderi. So for me, that's dropping the ball. Oh, I, think, I think the other thing for me, you could take that one, but... The one thing for me I think was probably their worst move was letting Thomas Grass walk, to be honest. I would much rather see Fleury only play 50 to 55 games, and with Zatkov being there, Fleury will play 60 this year, and I think that's too many for a goalie to play and win. If you have a look at the goalies that have won of late, I think uh, I think Jonathan Quick might have played 60-ish one year, and that's it, though. Everyone else has played under 60 games. And substantially under. So uh, I think workload is something they're going to have to work out there as well. Yeah, they've always kind of leaned on Flurry a lot through thick and thin, at least from the volume of games they've given him. Yeah. Um, even in his, uh, he's, I mean, his career has literally been a roller coaster up and down, up and down uh, in the yeah. regular season. I'm not even going to touch on the, the playoff thing even though i wasn't going been, there either no but it's been better the last two years um but he's had up and downs in the regular season it, it really does look like the the world's wildest roller coaster even for that well, um what was the year was it 2009-10 when they came out of the gates and he couldn't win i think he was one and nine in his first 10 was it that year or was it the year after he had a terrible start to the season and was absolutely atrocious and i think it was brent johnson that carried the load there until Fleury got his got his shit together. <laughs> so um yeah, he's look, I love him as a player, but good grief. He um he certainly uh makes it interesting, I know that much. No, but he's been uh, better lately. So I'm not I'm not as concerned as you about Zakoff being there. I think it's you know, a whatever thing. 
um, assuming that Fleury plays league average or better. But I, that's, that's not the problem for me anymore. It's the volume of games when they get to the playoffs. You have a look at all the goalies that play shitloads of hockey. They don't succeed to... It's like a war of attrition by the time they get to the... They're pushing, playing 80-plus games. If you look at guys like Lundqvist, uh, you look at Holtby next year, if he plays as many games as he played this year, he'll be cracking 90 games to win the Cup. And that's tough. That that's physically tough, particularly when they're they're night on, night off, night on, night off through the playoffs, and you don't get those two day, three day rests. You've said it yourself. Goaltending is an extremely taxing position. And furthermore, to that, teams that invest a lot of money into that position maybe subconsciously feel that they need to kind of get the most out of that. And yep, maybe I agree that's, with that. Maybe that's the volume of games they just keep. Like, oh, and I'm paying this guy eight hundred grand. Why? Why am I not playing the guy I'm paying six plus to? Because you're paying him six plus to be good when it matters. That's the thing. That, no, I get it, but yeah, that's how you that's get the, to those uh, situations. Yeah, that's the thing that baffles me with with that. All right, let's move on from Pittsburgh because I could talk about him all the time. Although I will say, fair Benino Cullen also play into that depth. So we were looking at we were looking at best and worst, not everything. <laughs> yeah, but those are great moves. Oh, I didn't say they weren't. <laughs> there aren't many moves to discuss in this division. No, this is a very, very good... It does. What does that say about the actual division as a whole? If you look at it that way, and you're right, the division was pretty static in a sense. Does that mean that the teams think that they're good or that teams are just middling because they know they're stuck with contracts? Like, everyone's sort of saying this Metro division is going to be a hell of a division to try and come out of, similar to what the Central's been the last, last couple of years. Is that going to be the case, or is it just that teams are doubling down on the fact that they think they've got a good roster? Well, the Islanders did have a good roster last year, being that they were possession monsters for most of the year. What surprises me is that they're going to be moving into Brooklyn, making more money, and they have $9.2 million in cap space, and they've done nothing. Although, I mean, they added Grice, who you alluded to. Yeah. But, like, come on. You had a pretty good team last year. You you weren't that far off. Get over the hump. Make make a move. Something like, really, the Islanders. You you couldn't give Airhoff three mil a year, short and, and not have Brian Strait being on. <clears throat> so where, so I'm looking at that. That we might as well go to the Islanders now because we're talking about them. But where would you add to? the aisles would it be the back end or sure. would you want to try and add some more depth up front because their f- collection of forwards is is nice i think so yeah so like you said erhoff at 1.5 well you would have thought I, I'm, I'm being generous three no i know i i, I get friends and why not friends and for for well, three years at, who knows four. <sighs> okay although I had, yeah. a twi- I had a twitter follower today uh bring up uh Interesting thing. What if uh, LA's holding off, waiting for the Voinov stuff? That's actually a really good point. You know, Franzen I mean, and Erhoff to LA, boy, that'd be pretty good. It would be. It'll be interesting to see the Mike Richard stuff still hanging in the air, isn't it? As well, that they're gonna lose that. How could they win that? 
they didn't terminate Voinov, but they're, they're after Richards. I mean, come on. Yeah. One guy's still serviceable, the other guy's not. This is so transparent, it's not even... I know, I, I fully get it, but I just wonder if there's a legal loophole that they're, they're able to use. That That's all. You might get there and go, moralistically and, and just common sense, there's no, but lawyers can find loopholes in wordings. So who knows? I, I'm not... I'm not sold on this until it's done, <laughs> until the final appeal from who, whichever side is done. But I th- oh, sorry, go. I was just going to say I think it's crap that they've actually gone ahead this way. It's like they made a mistake and this is how they're going to try and fix it. That's fine, but I just think that sucks. I mean, not to sidetrack to the Pacific, but I mean, uh, Doughty, Muzzin, Erhoff, Franzen. Yeah, oh, no, that's great. And uh, they don't have tons of cap space, but it seems Franzen's value is gone. I think he he over he waited too long and now the market's kind of crashing on him even though his value as a player hasn't changed at all. So he's a piece of coal going to China. Yeah. Um, that's that's actually something I did want to ask. Is that an Australian saying? Uh, no, it's just we ship a shitload of coal out to China and it's going say, through. I was going to say I never heard that. <laughs> uh, um. With with I've lost my train of thought now. I didn't realise that was quite so Australian thing to say. Um, <laughs> sorry. With with, with Franzen, where do you think that delineation was made? Was it the? I'd love to know the conversations between the manager and the player in regards to how much he's worth, what he should hold out for, and then at what point did it suddenly go? Holy crap, we screwed up here because he's going to get underpaid this year, even if it is for one year. Um, Unless it's, it's Buffalo, like I've said. Like you, yeah, like you discussed. So And they offered they, him a two-year deal since our last podcast. Yeah, so what's he what's he wanting? Like, if you, even if you go for two years in Buffalo and you help that Buffalo team improve, you get to the end of that two years, he will surely get at least another two years for a little bit more, if not more. I, trust me, I'm, I'm contracting at the moment, so job security is always a great thing to have. So I can understand why he wants a longer, a longer term... But still, it's a little baffling. Well, without being privy to um, discussions and that kind of stuff, I mean, we were saying the same things about, or at least I think we were saying the same things off the podcast about Eric Fair before some of the times we've gone on and recorded, like, who's going to sign this guy? And perhaps there's those uh, backdoor handshake deals. Oh, well, when we trade Sutter, we're same day we'll we'll sign you and who knows what moves need to be made i, I don't know is yeah, it no no I, I agree you're right about the eric fair thing it, it was pretty much we ship him we'll sign you that's how it looked so it'll be interesting to see whether there is a team that ships someone and friends and comes in and, and and jumps on board i would assume he'd like to go to someone that's got a pretty good chance of making the playoffs so he's <laughs> trade skidari sign friends and all right let's <laughs> <laughs> So, is what would you consider the worst move that the Islanders made? The worst moves? Yeah. Not an actual move per se, but just kind of sitting on their hands. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's the thing. Like, not think. Now, would you consider now or the deadline the cheapest time to add something to your roster? Oh, now for sure. I mean, that's why just, I can't just look at the, the, just look at the deadline stuff and, and some of the players that go for what they do. Vermette for what a first rounder? Yeah, last no. year uh, players like him that are like 
low tier third line guy. And listen, I understand he he did good things in Chicago's playoff run, but um, you know any player that gets put in situations with good teammates around can do good things. They're NHL players, but you know spending a first round pick for a player like that isn't what you want to do. You want to sign a guy like that now. Yeah. No, no, on the cheap. That's it's the thing. Like you, I think you've said in a couple of your blogs, <clears throat> Pittsburgh have actually managed to go out and, and get the guys that they would normally acquire at the deadline, giving up assets. They've got them now for free, like just the cost of the contract, not nothing extra. So um, I wonder whether Garth Snow falls into that trap at the deadline and goes, oh, crap, we do need to add an extra on the back end. And then they have to give up a couple of draft picks. I mean, they, they've got a lot of that stuff stockpiled now. Like the Islanders are in a reasonably good position at the moment, so they can afford to fritter away those sorts of things. But if they want longevity, um, while they've got Tavares around and a good little core situated around him, not giving up those draft picks stupidly would be a really good idea. Nice thing they have going for them, though. They have a couple forwards, Michael Del Cole and. Josh Ho saying it's impossible to know how they'll translate to the NHL, but I would say that, you know, first round picks, they have them still. Um, they kind of have a little wiggle room. It's not like a Pittsburgh situation. They've been doing it for years. And they also traded away Griffin Reinhardt for a first rounder to the Oilers at the draft, I believe. I think so. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all sort of but it's the thing like the way Pittsburgh went about it like I remember when Shero was going through doing the get rid of this draft pick get rid of that draft pick bring in this person bring in that person I was all for it but looking back on it in hindsight now I don't know whether that's going to work in a cap era now so it'll be interesting to see when Shero gets to the devils when they, <laughs> actually, when they actually get good whether he takes that same approach or whether... 2020? I didn't say that it was going to happen tomorrow. 2020. But you know what I mean, though? Like, when he gets to the point where he has to start making those sorts of decisions, will he go ahead with the, we've got all these draft picks, we've got a team coming through, let's start using those picks to acquire talent at the deadline? He's got a decision he... right now. Corey Schneider. He should get... No, I agree. I think he should... Well, we might as well. Are we done with the Isles? <laughs> sure. I mean, they didn't do anything. I think there's nothing more to say. They needed to do something with that kind of cap space. I understand that Kyle Ocposo is up for a, a healthy raise from 2.8 mil. Is yes, he, he is. is he going to get a Bobby Ryan contract? And if he is, oh, I, I think they should yeah. ship him off. Yeah, that's very, very true. That would be tough for the Isles fans to get rid of Ocposo. They've enjoyed watching him play, and they like the way he plays. I like the way he plays. So that would be tough to see him go in a year where they expect to make the playoffs and do well. So that'll be an interesting decision come, I don't know, what is it? It's Feb 29 this year, isn't it? Or Feb 28? Yeah, Feb 29. So it'll be interesting to see see when they make that decision. Yager, or if they keep him, let him walk. Yager Watch 2016 is on. <laughs> Circle it in your calendars, people. I have. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, move over to Jersey because I started talking about Jersey. They, what did they do? Uh, What's their best move? Nothing. They, they they got they traded for Kyle 
Palmieri. And, um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're not even... That's the thing with the Devils. They're not even in flux at the moment. The only reason they're still in games is because they've got, I think, one of the top five goaltenders in the league. Mm-hmm. And he probably... I know he wanted out of Vancouver, but he probably should have thought a little bit more about which where he was headed when he went there. But, you know, I, I do feel... Corey Schneider, his best years are going to go to waste in Jersey. Some of his and best years went to waste in Vancouver. No, I, 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 I agree with that as well. I agree. It, it's just funny how some players end up in the wrong spots at the wrong time in their career. You know, you could make that case for Christian Erhoff, really. Well, he had they good just... years, Vancouver, Stanley Cup final. Sharks were good. Yeah, but the Sharks never got through. So They were good, though. No, no, they they were, but I don't know. There, there really isn't much to say about this this roster. They need to just shred it apart and and start again. To be honest, they really need to do a. No, they're between a rock and a hard place, but just go to the Buffalo Sabers method and just you know get rid of Ollie. Uh, you know, the lottery, uh, the chances of winning the first pick have decreased since the uh, McDavid Eichel lottery ball for Edmonton. So yeah. getting Austin Matthews is even a, a lesser proposition. But even with that, I mean, get the number two pick. Guarantee yourself number two. Although, I don't think you can do that anymore either. No, I, I could be wrong. As well. I, but I thought they changed that after this year. Get a top three through. pick. Finish 30th, get a top three pick, trade trade Schneider, and I know to some people this really sounds asinine, but you're not a playoff team, you're not a contender, and the only thing Schneider's going to do is cost you um, your draft selection. And by the time you turn this around, Schneider's not going to be Schneider. Schneider's good enough to carry those guys to get close enough to a playoff spot that the general manager could do something silly at the deadline. That's how good he is. Well, not this year because they're that bad. But, yeah, in like a year or two, if they keep him, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and then you get there and you, you, you miss at the deadline and and in the end it's all for naught. It's the problem with the way that the NHL works at the moment. You, you, you're either striving to make the playoffs and then it really is a coin flip or you're striving to be bad, and if you're one of those unfortunate teams that end up right on the cusp, like if Jersey ended up on the cusp, it's a different situation than if Florida end up on the cusp because of where a majority of the age of their players are. Jersey needs to just try and shred it down and and move on, and and that's a tough thing to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to shred New Jersey and move on. Yeah, (laughs) I'll close that tab down. Where do you want to move to? Okay, let's let's get back to our premise. Good moves, bad moves. And um, I think Washington made some really great moves. I agree. And I, I think I, yeah. um, I wrote for um, Todd Cordell's, uh, he does the Hockey Buzz Hot Stove. He usually does topics. And if I, uh, between teaching and my own blog and this and that, I try to contribute to his hot stove. He had the... Uh, predictions for the Hart Trophy next year, and uh, some Pittsburgh fans probably not going to be happy with me. I, I, I picked Alex Ovechkin, and the reason 
was because he hasn't had a good right winger on his line since Alexander Semin in like 09-10. And he has two now potential choices. TJ Oshie being the one that I think they should go with. Or much like we discussed earlier, okay, if it's not Oshie, then uh, like how Phil Kessel would get demoted and it would be Evgeny Malkin. Oh, fine. If it's not Oshie... Oh, sure. Justin Williams, the course he got himself. Con Smythe winner. (laughs) So that's a huge thing. I mean, you're Matt, like Alexander Ovechkin has been a power play monster forever. That that's never really been an issue, but his five on five ability. um, If you can start to prep or prop that up like it used to be. And I know he's aging past the, the, the prime of a, a, the elite goal scorers age-wise, but he could get to that 60-ish range if his even strength numbers go up, and, and having Oshie or Williams on the other side of Nicholas Backstrom and, and him, that's a great thing. I I wouldn't be surprised if Ovi's goal totals don't explode. I, it would be more his assists, I think. Having, having a... a, a better skill winger on the other side of the ice for him means that he could shoot the puck. They might actually knock some of those rebounds in or um, he'll pass it to Baxter. Instead of it going back to Ovi like everyone expects, the puck will go across to the third wing, the third line, mate, and they'll score. It would not surprise me to see uh, more secondary assists in Ovechkin's um, makeup of his statistics uh, for this season, to be perfectly honest. And it will be because of those. Everyone jumps on Ovi. He'll give it to Backstrom. Backstrom will pass it to the third guy who can actually put the puck in the net. Yeah, exactly. And um, to the point, like, Ovi's right winger since seven have been guys like Chris Clark, Mike Knubel, Troy Brower. Um, you know, some all of those guys are considered, like, hard, hard nose to the net kind of like what you're alluding to pick up the garbage but they're not skilled guys um they're not primary assist guys for ovechkin but i think Oshie and williams are more than capable of doing the the garbage stuff so to speak kicking in a rebound is not that easy to read that's the thing you get there and you have those garbage guys go oh they stand in front of the net and they they cause havoc that's great but when the puck is in their skates they don't have the skill to backhand it through their legs or get it around the lunging leg of the goalie to get it through or get it over the pad of the goalie to get it in the net after all the good work by Ovi and and Backstrom. And that, that's the difference between you get there and go, Oshie and Williams both have that skill set in their hands. Whilst they might not be as physical, they do get in the way. They do create traffic, but they have the skill set to actually get those rebounds in. And that I think, going to be the big difference for Ovechkin in regards to his points totals, I think you'll have more assists than we expect, and his line mates will actually score more. I think he's going to have a, a bumper year production-wise, and so will Backstrom, but I expect that out of Backstrom. Now, I, I class him as an elite center. I wish he would shoot a little more, but but other than that, I, I think his two-way play makes him an extremely good center, and at 6.7, I think he's cheap. Yeah, and I'm so happy for Oshie to get out of Ken Hitchcock's garbage. <laughs> yeah. I mean... The, the Olympic thing kind of makes the average fan or the casual fan that doesn't tune in a lot, like, 
Olympic hero, he must be like superstar. He's not yeah, a superstar, but that's okay. He's still really, really good. I mean, he's not his point totals aren't like blow. They won't blow you away. But he's a very sound two-way player, very responsible, good possession. You can't doubt the hands. Like you said, if he's in close, who yeah. better with hands like that? Um, I'm just happy that he's going to actually get a chance to kind of spread his wings a little bit. Um, if he is indeed with that Backstrom-OV combination. And um, let's see what he can do. I think Ken Hitchcock to in St. Louis has totally screwed their window up big time i i I agree Uh, it's one of those things where his coaching style stifles talent and um their top end talent when it gets asked to be released and go don't know how to because they second guess their instincts you can look back to chris letang in a system and a structure that made him think as opposed to chris letang being allowed to play hockey and they're two totally different hockey players I think that's the case with with St. Louis. So I, I hope I'm the same as you. It would be nice to see TJ Ace sort of get out and show a little bit of flair and and go nuts. Yeah, because St. Louis with Hitchcock, he's playing to suppress, suppress, suppress. So you're lowering the um, amount of goals against at the expense of goals for usually. Um, yeah. But that with less goals in a game, you're kind of playing that. Um, you're running into that soccer trap where goals are a huge event in your games, and if by chance there's a bad bounce, then it's like, oh, you know what I mean? As yeah, opposed to if you're generating more and more goals, there's a little bit more leeway. And that's the thing: you get into the playoffs, they're more and more. A lot of those games are coin flips, and if the coin flip is happening in your defensive zone more often, you're in trouble. And Hitchcock controls the back half of the ice more than he looks at controlling the puck in the offensive zone, if that makes sense. So you're going to get a lot of those coin flips in your end of the ice, and that just sucks. You're better off pushing play and having the coin flips in the other team's defensive zone than yours. Worst move for Washington. For Washington. You can't say Brooks Orpik. That was last year. (laughs) Um... They didn't really do all that bad. No. Well, they did sign Zach Sill. Hold on. <laughs> I think he's going to be an AHL guy, but yeah, Zach Sill, he's popping up on my uh, <laughs> sorry cap- Capitals list here. That that doesn't make Excuse sense on any level. Why would you voluntarily do that? Or would you voluntarily give up some money for that? Is that what you're saying? Well, I guess the worst move would... And they were between a rock and a hard place. And, and this does boil down to... Um, Brooks Orpeck, you said I couldn't use him. I won't use him quite specifically, but Mike He's Green, Mike, Mike Green is gone because Brooks Orpeck t- took his money. I think Mike Green would have left anyway, but yes, Maybe. they they didn't know, but they didn't have the option because of that five point five that Orpeck's getting. And, and, I, and I, I view Orpic a little bit differently than you do. You think he's just terrible and, and that's it, he's done. I just think if they're only paying him two mil a year, then I think you can have him on your roster and you just play him as a bottom... What, is the sixth or seventh guy? But why do that? No, no, I no, no, I said five or six, not six or seven. He's not as bad as Skidari, who I'd be playing as a seven or an eight. 
But you you get there with Orpik and and it's 5.5. And like you were saying before about goaltenders, how they get volume according to like how much they're being paid at times, which is just a asinine way to think about what the coach should do with the roster. I do wonder whether that contract plays into the back of the heads of coaches. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're humans, so, and, I, and I get that. But it's like it would be unbelievable if a coach just got there and said, I know you're getting paid this much money, but at the moment you are killing my team. You are sitting. I don't care. I'm not even going to send you down to the AHL. I'm just going to sit you. And that might happen with Orpik this year. He, his partners have to carry him, and if they're not good enough, both go backwards. Yeah, so they, losing green hurts them. and It does. I agree with that. So I guess that would be theirs. Um, uh, let's. Uh, we're kind of going alphabetically, but then we didn't. Want to start oh, at the I, thought we, I thought we were just following our, <laughs> our wonderful linear structure that we always have every podcast. <laughs> um, Carolina did some yeah, okay things. Yeah, they did. Not like great things, but okay things. One of being James Wisniewski. Um, you know, they're kind of piecing together an okay defense core. If you count the young <laughs> prospects, Flurry and uh, Hannafin. Well, it's the thing. In two years' time, like, Wiz will be off the, off the books and they can make a decision on what they want to do there. They've got four clocked up for forever, which is great. Um, there's a lot of room on that Carolina roster in, in the back end to do to do some creative things, whether it be via the draft and picking up some top-end defensemen that will take a couple of years to, to develop through. They need forwards um, bad, though. No, no, I, they certainly do. I mean, they, they really are hitching their wagon to the stall train. Um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing if they can both stay healthy, but there's just there's no no depth past just Skinner. I mean, say what you will about Nathan Gerby, but there's not really there's not really anything there. Like they're paying everyone else peanuts besides their two key centers. That just shows you where they think their their season is this year, and it's not a bad one to to tank around with, I suppose. I mean, can, they've got two choices here, I suppose. They can have Cam Ward play. 50 games of the year and make sure they're terrible or they can give any lack 50 games and make sure that they're respectable. And that'll be interesting to see what decision they make there. Cause I think Eddie lacks, you could make a coin flip for the Eddie lack or the James Wisniewski in regards to their best move. Yeah. Eddie lack was an under the radar move. I like that one. It just depends on where they want to go with their year. I mean, lack can get on some really good hot streaks and can win games he has no right winning. I mean, he can also flub a few here and there. But he's but won one mil, whatever. No, I know. But if they want to tank out, just keep playing the 6.3 mil guy. I know he's coming up on a contract year and there's always that that's, risk. That... That's how you get to the point where you need to tank out. Your $6.3 million guy is the guy you lean on to lose games. No, I know. I know. It, it just shows you where Cam Ward's career sort of took him, which was unfortunate for him and for the Carolina fans. But this this year relies entirely upon how far Eric and Jordan Stahl can take the team. 
and whether or not Eric even stays with the team. He comes up for a new contract next year. They're, if if Eric goes, does Jordan stay? Like, does he buy into whatever it is they're doing? I I know he left because he wanted a larger role in a different team, but I don't think he left to be bad. No, I think he left. Brothers there. Outlook didn't look terrible at at the time. No, it didn't. I agree with that. But it's not looking like that now, and he's signed through for a while. Eric Stahl, one of the more fascinating kind of situations that we have going into the year, uh, barring uh, a Stamkos extension or Kopitar extension. I think Eric Stahl, very intriguing because he's past his prime. How much... Is it going to cost to acquire him via trade if that's the route that Carolina goes? They should be going that route. They can't let him walk for nothing. Will he walk, though? Will? Well, no, that's the thing. They either sign him or they trade him. You cannot let someone of that talent but walk. The problem get is, a... how much back. is it going to cost to sign him? Is well, he that's... seven mil? The hard thing, for I reckon, for Eric Stoll is that if he hadn't got injured, he'd be worth every sent to that 8.25, but once he blew out his knee, he never quite came back quite the same player. I, I think he gets a little bit shortchanged in regards to what he can produce over the course of his career. So, I don't know. It's it's a tough one to say. I mean, there are teams that could really do with Eric Stall. No one will argue that. It's just, one, can they fit him under the cap? And, and two, to acquire him at the deadline, which... Would be when I, yeah, well, they'd be willing to give up. I mean, you'd be wanting at least a first round plus two second rounders. I know he's longer in the tooth than you would think, but that would be a really quick way for Carolina to gobble up some picks and, and move forward. Yeah, I, I would shop him. I, I just don't. I just don't see it. Do you see Eric Stahl, captain, raising cup in Carolina ever again? I, I, I do not. Okay, then there's I, the answer. <laughs> I, I also I also don't... I just I can't see Carolina getting to that point before he has to wrap up his career. That That's the problem. I just... I, it's not that I don't think he wouldn't want to, but yeah, it, it's like I can't see them doing that with Jordan Stahl there either. I think they're going to go through his best years and I reckon they'll end up shipping him at the end of his contract as well before they get to a cup. Be interesting. Their worst move, I think, I mean, I get it, but Rutherford signing Alexander Summon to that contract in the first place led to the buyout, and now he's a $2.33 million cap hit next year. Oh, wow, that's one, so two, much. Three, four, five, six more years, six years counting the upcoming year. Good grief. So, I mean, that's, that's their worst from where I, from where I am. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm not going to argue that. You can, yeah. <laughs> not really a, a lot you can sort of say against that. All right, what do we want to do? Rangers, Flyers, or Jackets? Columbus. Because I think, all right, you go with their best move. Uh, oh, God. Oh, getting Brandon Saad? Yeah, I, I like how you have the question mark on that because I do too. I, I would almost argue, I don't want to say it's their worst move, 
but I'm putting stock in Marco Dano and Anisimov, and I think while the allure of getting sod is like, oh yeah, this young guy, like he was awesome. In Could the it playoffs. be? Can the one move be the, be two different things? Can it be their best move and their worst move? Yes. And and that's probably where I sit on it, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm high on Marco Dano as well. Um, I'm a fan of Anisimov. Uh, it's just from watching him as much as I have being in the same uh, division, they gave up a bit to get him, but getting him was great. <laughs> yeah, it's and he's like, like one of those, oh, let's... Here's the problem with that move, though. It's it for Columbus. It's boy, I hope this is a at least a lateral move. Because if Dano explodes, Inisimov's a very good third line center. You know what I mean? I know what you're saying, but there is a chance that Marco Dano's going to explode because you look at who he's going to get to play with. It, it, they've just put another Brandon Saad in Brandon Saad's slot. I mean, I think that's what was great about the move for Chicago is that they've got someone that's got, you know, the potential that Saad had to do really well lining up next to Jonathan Taves. So it's like, it was sort of a no brainer in, in that aspect for Chicago, but then to get a, a third line center who can slide up and down into that second slot, if they need him to was brilliant. I, I you can't, and then you, you can't blame Columbus for doing what they did with Saad. Like, you know, I, I think you and I both said, Thumbs up to the deal. Um, he helps push play. Six million he's cost controlled through as the cap fundamentally will rise reasonably substantially over the next four years with the expansion teams coming in. Um, the six mil won't look like an overpayment, even if he does come up a little bit short of expectation. That's probably how I look at it. Yeah, it's probably one of those that could work out win-win. But it, it's tough, though, when you... Dano... Super cost controlled versus sad, reasonably cost controlled. Plus, you know, yeah, but it's, it's, as far as you can say with sad though, is that you do know what you you know exactly what you're getting. With Dano, you've got a half a year. It's a small sample size. You just you're just not sure. So, uh, no, it's it yeah. is really a, a curious thing. <laughs> Dano, amazing points per sixty at even strength. Is that going to continue? Probably not. The question is, where is it going to fall? Just just out of curiosity with Columbus moving forward, when Ryan Johansson comes up for his new contract as an RFA in 1718... Thank you. That's what I wanted to know. He has to be the highest-paid player on that team when he goes and gets signed. Eight is my yeah. over-under right now. Yeah. And that's without him even playing with a full lineup with him and playing well. Like, he has the potential to absolutely explode. Or Johansson, I think. I, I really do think he could and do you it. you know what, Sad, Sad will be a part of it. Yeah. If, if they click, it, it's not going to be friendly for that for that Metro division at all. Um, but but worst... there, are, there are some other bad moves they've made. Okay. Clarkson. So I'm going to argue that I don't think that was a bad move. It is because it, it's unfortunate, but now they got a really crappy player for the next five years. Yes, I don't, I'd almost of... rather pay. It's because they don't have the finances to long-term injury reserve Horton. 
No, I know, but this is the thing, though. They've got a guy that was on long-term injury reserve that was never going to be able to help them. So what they've gone and done is they've gone, well, that five mil that we're wasting away, we can't do anything with, we've at least got a player on the roster that can so, play third line. No, but he can play the third line. You've gone from having nothing on the ice to something on the ice. And Clarkson as a third line winger is good. What about can, in 2017? What about in 2018? What about in 2019? What about in 2020, 2021? When, when, when does Horton's contract run out, though? When was that going to finish? It was 2018-19, wasn't it? So there's only one extra year of that that they weren't going to still have that same problem. That's that's what it comes down to. I agree. You get there and you go, you're paying 5.25 for a third or a fourth line right winger, and that's just ridiculous. But it's better than paying $5 million for no one to play on the roster. I would almost argue I would rather pay the price for Horton and have an AHL guy the way that Clarkson's tracking. Well, I don't know. Give me give me 40 games in Columbus first before I... But it's not 40 games. It's five more years. No, I get it. Give me 40 games before I agree with your assessment is what I'm saying. Okay. Well, we you're, I, 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 fully I fully understand your argument. I fully understand why you think that way with, with Clarkson. I get it. But give me... A, chance with him in a different environment uh, under a different system with different expectations of not being a top six forward and and we'll see how it goes he's never going to produce what his contract is asking him to do i'm not even asking for that but if he can at least be a third line right winger with a couple of second line metrics on his side then as far as i'm concerned columbus are up in that situation and i will say again unfortunate circumstances horton was a good signing for them it Oh, it oh, really yes. turned sideways. Nobody's fault to the player, the team, anybody. But that's, um, I, I don't know. I, I may have still kept him, Horton, and tried to hit a home run with an AHL salary. Uh, there's still one more terrible move for Columbus. Yeah. Jack Johnson's still on their team. <laughs> I wasn't sure whether we were going to get through this without it being mentioned or not, but uh, does really anything else need to be said there? No. No. He's still uh, in there, though. Yeah, he is for a few more years. I don't think they'll get rid of him. I just Columbus's decisions in regards to uh, analytics and non-analytics decisions made baffle me at times. It's up They're and down. To... Yeah, you, you think they're really tracking in that direction and, and then they'll do something else and you go, okay, that explains why Jack Johnson's still on the roster. And then they'll do something else and you go, well, there's a chance he might. Nope. And then it's so... Because they were talking <sighs> about trading Cam Atkinson, who's pretty efficient for 3.5 mil. Like they re-signed him and then trade rumors started like, hey, we're still going to trade him. And it was like really strange to me. What did you think of the Gregory Campbell signing? It's shitty. <laughs> yeah, so this this is this is the thing. It, it it's a little baffling. Like they go out and and they stick at one point five mil, no less. And the sorry yeah, to interrupt, but it's like <laughs> that guy should be a minimum player, let alone a player. It's the ten of glass. Yeah, scenario. it is. It's identical. Yeah. yeah. Man, he broke his leg, man, and he tried to still block a shot. So let's, yeah, whatever. All right, we'll move on from that before we both get angry. Uh, let's go to the Rangers. Not much here. Um, 
that's not necessarily a, a bad thing though either. I, I think well, they constructed pretty well. They they've done actually on second look. They they've done a few things. Um, Victor Stahlberg really good to kind of get him on the cheap. I think he um, the contract Nashville is paying him it was kind of a, a stretch at that three I think three point four million dollar range. Yeah, don't ask me. Um, but. That's not the Rangers' problem. They have him at one point one million. Yeah, I think, they, uh, I think he's a really nice bottom six player for them. No, yeah. I, I I agree with that, and that's the thing they've they've tried to help out their their better players by improving that that lower half. I think one of their better options was was not re-upping with Marty Saint Louis. I think they made that call and then just said, Marty, you go out and say that you're done. Yeah, um, probably because. Yeah, that just I don't think that would have helped him. He would have wanted top six minutes. He wanted would have wanted uh, a number one power play unit time. And it, it, it sort of got to the point at the end of the season for him where it was like, damn it, it's just probably six weeks too long. So I think that was a good move. Because it would have been very tempting to bring him back. I'm trying to... Th- okay. So I'm right on this. Um, Carl Hagelin traded away for Emerson Etum and I don't know Haglin super fast does some nice things but did get pretty healthy raise as um in our was he an RFA yeah he was an RFA he got four it's million that, it is actually that's an interesting move that Etum Haglin won because Edom seems to have all this potential just sitting there waiting to explode, and a coach or a general manager obviously just wants to uncork it and let it go pop, but it just seems to fall apart in him sometimes, and then it, 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 he just gets shuffled down the lineup again, and then he works his way back up to have a crack with the top two lines. It's He's an interesting case study in regards to development paths and how it works, so who knows? He could explode this year, or he, he could underwhelm, and and end up getting a, a small RFA extension or he could explode and end up with a, an extension like Hagelin got. I just, I just don't know with Edom. Yeah. He's, um, he could be a classic tweener, which will drive coaches and fans nuts. <laughs> like send him down to the AHL. He's going to just do really nice offensive things. Although albeit in a top six role down there. Um, but can he do enough to earn top six minutes at the NHL level? Because I don't view him like he's got really good skill. But you put so him in a question, grinder role, I mean. Well, yeah, that, that's actually was going to be my question. You pop him down into the top six in the AHL, and he say he blows it out of the park. The usual progression is they then pop him up into the bottom six in the NHL, and then they get just throw him straight up into the top, put them in the position they were succeeding in at a higher level. Let them play with high school players at the high level and see if they fit. I don't understand this obsession in the NHL of having to earn your stripes to get into the top six in the, in the NHL. If you're good enough at the AHL level and you're dominating down there, throw the player into the exact same position in the NHL. Sink or swim in that situation because if they're not good enough to do it, throw them back in the AHL, let them get a little bit more grounding and bring them up because if you're a skill set player and you're asking them to play a grinder-like shutdown role, which they haven't been training for or playing as in the AHL, you're almost setting them up to fail. 
Yeah. Um, there's a few ways you can kind of look at that. Um, if a team is kind of already set in their top six, though, it's then you do get into the you have to kind of earn it kind of deal. Like, yeah, but if, if Edom was plopped on Pittsburgh right now, it's like, all right, well, who's he going to beat out? Yeah, but Pittsburgh has said they want four scoring lines. So and that was pretty... my second point. Then yeah. you get into team construction, and if you're doing the four scoring line thing, then you're putting players like Emerson Edom in a better spot to showcase what his strengths are as opposed to kind of what the Penguins did with Bo Bennett last year. Yes, Bo Bennett, you know, he's been hurt too much. He's he's – <laughs> he's cost he's cost himself his his opportunities to kind of succeed in the NHL. No fault of his at times, but you know he's been hurt. He hasn't been on the ice. Um, but when he did come back, they put him on a fourth line with what Sill, Adams, Lapierre. Like what what good is that going to do that kind of player? It's not. So, so if you get there and you look at the Rangers and the way Alain Vigneault coaches. Do they crank out four lines that want to push the puck and score, or do they get there and go the more traditional way of grind it out? Now, if you're going to ask Emerson Edom to play with Tanner Glass, you're asking Emerson Edom to fail. Yes, absolutely. So is, is that on the coach or is that on the GM for having a player like Glass on the roster that Edom's going to have to play with if he plays down the lineup? Ah, great question. Um, as a coach, I'm... I'm hoping that I'm not put in that spot and Tanner Glass isn't actually signed. But ultimately, most GMs are like, coaches, make your make your own lineup choices. Like, they don't want to be over, right? I mean, most times, it's, hey, it's coach's decision. Nothing's forcing Vigneault to, to play Tanner Glass. And at, he least, did play. at least I think. So, so that means that then Glass did play and, and did play for a reason. So... Eatham is going to end up playing with someone like that, and I don't think that's going to help him out. No, it's not. So this is the thing that I find fascinating this year going in, is looking at how the general managers put teams together and whether or not they actually mesh with what the the coach wants to do on the ice. So I don't know. We'll we'll wait and see how it all works. I just realised Mark Stoll's going to make 5.7 next year, or this year coming. Next six years. Yeah, good grief. That is better than Dan Girardi making 5.5 for the next five. That's uh, that's that's uh, Orpic bad. Yeah. Well, anyway. It's a good thing they've got the king back there. Oh, yeah. He's, that, what a, he's, what a luxury. He's gonna have luxury. He's gonna to have to turn human at some stage, though, and retire. I don't. This is the thing. I I can't see Lundqvist. You know how players sort of get towards the end of their career and they have a little bit of a drop off. I just there's nothing that tells you that that's going to happen to Lundqvist. You look at what he's gone through his entire career. I can't see him having a having a Martin Brodeur end of his career where the last two or three years of his career were like you should have gone earlier. I think he'll just play until he wants to stop and he'll be great until the end. I can't see a reason for that to change. Yeah, I suppose the Rangers' best move on any given year is they have Henrik Lundqvist. 
And that look, I know you say that as a bit of a joke, and that's that's not a slight on the rest of the team. He is just that awesome. He's the best. I know a lot of people are on the Carey Price train, but let me tell you, Carey Price, super awesome last year. Henrik Lundqvist, goalies are voodoo. They are. That's a common (laughs) phrase. That's a common phrase you hear now about them. I agree. I've I've tried to research the position, the hows and whys, and and all this stuff. (laughs) But here's the thing. There's only, like, super select few that have been immune to, to my research of where I can nitpick them. Lundqvist is awesome consistently. He's great consistently, year after year. He, he he just doesn't fall off. He's the best goalie in the league, in the world. Is, is it one of those things where the only thing that he looks like a roller coaster is shorthanded safe percentage? And that's a roller coaster for every hockey player, every goalie anyway. Mm-hmm. So... You get there and you go, well, they're a man down. You can only save so much. So, yeah. You asked that blog piece the other day, what player would you add to any roster? I think if you added Lundqvist to any other roster besides New York, they suddenly become substantially better, and um, that's who I would probably add. From a goalie standpoint, yes. Um, that That yeah. is an interesting question, and I didn't really qualify it in the blog, but um, is it – best player that you get to keep moving forward is it a one-year thing is it you know what i mean yeah no no yeah it was it was a good question i know Uh, what my two answers would be just not to go off on a tangent if it was for the future Connor mcdavid's my guy yep and for now well you could make a a really great case for lundquist depending on what your team's goalie situation was i mean who's but who's not taking sid Philly fans? No, they would take him. And yeah, I know. Would, and they would I love was, him. I was being an annoying smartass. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Speaking of Philly, worst move. Worst move. Let me let me pull them up here. I don't know. They were pretty kind of. They didn't do much. We're, used to, thing, we're, we're kind of used to Philly doing things. <laughs> I think the thing that I like the most is that they locked up some key parts for a long time. Yes. So we, there, and, there are some best moves for Philly. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I don't have much for the uh, the worst moves. The worst moves, you could argue, are, are past that wouldn't qualify for what we're talking about today. The the Umberger Hartnell signing Le Cavalier. Um but that's not what we're talking about right now. So Yeah. No, no, that's the thing. I mean, if Hextel can move any of those sorts of things off the roster, then for me, as good as it was signing Voracek for what he did and Couturier for, for what he did, if he can move any of those bad contracts off the roster before they expire, then he wins, like, full stop. They're not – Philly aren't far from getting this right. They've got some good depth coming through on their, their back end. They've got, you know, Medvedev uh, that, that's come across. There's a really good chance that that this could all go right for them very, very quickly and be dominant. Well, their back end's pretty terrible. So even if the young guys pan out, there, there's not enough there, in my opinion. It, it, it's, a, it's a fair argument, but... 
the it's the thing like they come in they're on the cheap they can fill the holes if they go the right way I, the, the problem I have with, with Philly is I don't know what sort of hockey Ron Hextel thinks is the hockey that will win a Stanley Cup and you can't tell with this roster at the moment because there are too many old bad contracts on there to see which direction he wants the team to go in and how it wants to play mm-hmm. And they've had coaching issues in regards to just on totally different levels to who's thinking of doing what and where. So this season and next season, it'll be interesting to see where the rough edges get get rubbed off and, and, and what they want to do with their hockey. Because I don't know whether this would be a traditional, you know, beat them up, knock them down, bullies, flies sort of team in a couple of years. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, and Ron Hextall was was left a, a a turd sandwich with that defense core. He really was, yes. and uh, you know he was. <laughs> he he got rid of Grossman, which I thought was okay. Yeah, and um, he has some potential here because I don't think they're a playoff team. Up no, I wasn't, wasn't trying to suggest that either. But they're not. It's the thing. Like they won't be next this year coming. But a couple of good moves or a couple of contracts gone, and they could be the year after. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they, um, like, much like how Pittsburgh totally reconstructed their forward depth, maybe Philly has that opportunity next year to do that with their defense. But here's, I mean, Andrew McDonald, we talked Brooks, that's a Brooks Peck like deal. I, I think the Penguins could move Rob Scuderi more easily than. Philly can move Andrew McDonald. I mean, that's saying something. Yeah, it really is. It, it's yeah. Philly look all right. I mean, they've got they've got Mason back there. Seems to have righted the the career. Um, yeah, which so is far in Philly. He nice has. Yeah, he really has. He's, he's settled down and and he's reliable back there. So it'll be interesting to see where this all sort of falls through for them. I mean, they've got their keys locked up. You know, Drew. Varacek, Couturier. Umberger. <laughs> what? <laughs> Smart ass. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there are holes there, but there, there's definitely situations where they're in a good spot. So, <sighs> There's some interesting things, though, for next year. Luke Shen, UFA. Can they somehow spin oh. him into assets? Um, I don't particularly value the player all that much. I, I wouldn't be targeting him as a general manager at the trade deadline. That's just me. But as we see every year, injuries, there's a whole, hey, this guy's a veteran. We can fit him in the cap. Uh, Okay, fine. F it. Second round pick or whatever. I mean, they can do things like that. Um, Sam Gagne, I don't know if they're... Sam Gagne has had a really interesting... uh, path since he got traded from Edmonton to Tampa, bought out to Arizona to Philly. His frequent frequent fly points would be reasonably high, wouldn't they? But Sam Gagne has always been an okay, skilled kind of player. What if he does some okay things and they're not in the playoff race and some team needs forward depth? He's a UFA next year. Well, Um, okay, that'll bring me to my question for this year. Couturier has proven that he can be a ridiculously good shutdown, shutdown center, right? Is Sam Garnier good enough to be a second-line center? No. Give it to 
Couturier. Give him an offensive role. Let him continue to be the good defensive player he is, but that shouldn't be sacrificed with his usage. Like, they bury him in his usage. Yeah, so, but the thing is, though, is Sam Gagné good enough to be a third-line center? And I think that's his problem. He's one of those tweeners that you've got to put him in a situation to play with skilled players, and Philly don't have the depth to have three good scoring lines. So... Uh, yeah, because, you know I mean? yeah, because Umberger, it, like if they still had Hartnell, I think, I think they would, but they don't. So yeah, it's, but you, you get what I'm saying? No, it, I know. Because like, yeah, Matt Reed, so Wayne Simmons, Shen, Couturier, um, they're all okay. Yeah, this is the thing that this roster's not a tie fire, but the back end is a tie fire. But yeah, it's the, not the, the Devils. Full... It's not the Devils. <laughs> the forwards, the, like, the, there's a really good chance that they're going to be okay. But, yeah, if they do get there and they destroy Couturier's freaking zone starts, then they might have to think of using Sam Grenier as a second-line center. So, who knows? They'll be interesting to watch. I know that much. Are we out of teams? We are. That's it. That's the Divisione. We did okay considering the uh, lack of movement in this division, which worries me for the uh, which worries me for the other divisions when we get to them. Yes, uh, so we've done the Atlantic, so you can check that out. Concluding the Metropolitan right now, and um, Central sh- should be fun. Central's always fun. That's a that's an interesting division. I want them to change the playoff. Though the way the playoffs work, they have to change that. Yeah, I don't like it how it is. I just it doesn't. Yeah, it's a podcast for another off season. Um, anything in re- you want to say anything in regards to Vasilevsky and his, his clot or anything like that? Any you want to say anything about Voynov? Not looking like he's going to be in the country much longer. To, to quote um, the uh, Chicago White Sox. Broadcaster Hawk Harrelson. He gone. <laughs> well, there you go. He may well be very, very soon. Um, country, bon and, and rightfully so. No one no one wants that caliber of person around. Does, just... it set a, does that set a precedent for Patrick Kane? It does if um, things shake out that kind of way where there's concrete evidence. The Patrick Kane stuff is uh, still, in my opinion, and I don't feel comfortable talking about the Kane situation because I think there's just so much up in the air uh, still. I don't think I've been given concrete facts, or or at least enough of them for me to... um, I'm not drawing any conclusions from it, and I certainly am not going to assume that the, the female... Accusing him is 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 falsely accusing him, and I'm I'm certainly not want to say that that he did it. I, I know that's so wishy washy, but it's such a, a terrible subject. Yeah, but you're still it's still at a wishy washy point anyway. Like that's that's the whole thing. So the latest on that is it's probably going to a grand jury. The only thing I want out of that is uh, um, if 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 stuff went down, he needs to, he needs to go. And, yeah. and and if it didn't, then I he he is fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I Captain Obvious. 
but no, no, but yeah, no, no, I, I get exactly what you're saying. It, it, it's the same thing, and um, a lot of blood clots in this league at the moment. Although, if you think about it in regards to percentage of players with blood clots to the amount of players that play, it's not that high. They're just old penguins. Except for Vasilevsky. Well, pe- no, that's... Oh, man, that that's a tough thing. We talked just last week about Vasilevsky giving them the opportunity to um, perhaps trade Bishop. That That's not happening now. Uh, no, they, they'll have to keep Bishop for another year. But only um, two to three months. I, I've... Now, you being the um, having more of the medical background than me... Um, what makes like a Dupuis Vokun thing so long, and uh, and Vasilevsky's? It'll most likely be... it'll most likely be where it was found, because it wasn't found in his actual lungs. It was found up near his um, in his clavicle. So um, Dupuis was in his lungs, and oh, I think man, that that's in the lung. That's tough. Yeah, I think that's where Dupuis was, and then I think Vokun's was lucky. up in his up in his groin along his main artery that ran through there so it's the location man yeah yeah yeah. that's that's the thing though it it quite literally is the location so um vasilevsky's was was more vascular um as opposed to in the blood or in the lung if you know what i mean i know vascular is to do with the lungs and all that sort of stuff as well but it wasn't in his lung and and that's the difference so that's why he could probably get there and get back out on the ice um, at 100% at probably around about, I'd say, middle of Jan. But that's not going to hinder them this year. No, 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 no. That's more of a long-term scope. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it kind of dampers what we were discussing last week. No, I mean good. Good thing. Good thing on the injury front as well. As it looks like Giordano is back 100% after the the bicep tear, which is uh, great for hockey. Really, really good for the Flames. Um, so, you know, what are we? 15 days away from the first preseason game. I hope. Um, but I, uh, best wishes to uh, Rich Peverly, who retired today. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, that was a very very scary situation. Yeah. No, I know. It, it's it's one of those things, and it, it, I know that the cap there was cap relief for the for the the stars, but Pevely in that lineup made them that much better. So, and he's not even a, an out and out star or anything like that. He's just a good, solid second slash third line center. That if he ended up being a third line center, there streaks ahead. So. It's a, it's a shame for Dallas, but it's it's a smart move in the end from Peverly. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I, the risk reward, uh, not that I know his finances, but I think he's done okay. And then you just have to ask yourself, is it worth it? And um, sometimes it's not. So yeah. best wishes there. <sighs> okay, I think we're done, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. All right, guys, well... See you next week with the Central, I'd say. Yep, Central up next. Uh, To our American listeners, happy Labor Day. Enjoy the weekend, and uh, we'll see you next time.